1: Today, I am talking to Tracy Pay about powerful organization tactics to relieve stress. Also known as Misorganized, Tracy Pay is a certified professional organizer located in San Diego. She's the author of If Clutter Could Talk. She teaches clients how to organize, how to understand the behaviors that caused the mess in the first place, and gives perspectives on your things so you can more easily let go of what doesn't work for you. She also applies feng shui to help you balance the energy in your home. I really wanted to talk to Tate Tracy because with all of this coronavirus, we are definitely in our homes much, much more than we were before. And I suspect I am not the only one who has realized I need to do some organizing.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So welcome to your superpowered mind, Tracy. Thank you so much, Christian. I appreciate I appreciate you having me here. I really do. And you're absolutely right about everything you just said. (laughs) It's good. So my first
1: question is always what superpower did you discover as the result
0: of mastering your mind? I would say that that would be the ability to be a fast decision maker.
1: Wow. Okay. So tell me tell me more about that. How did it, that come up? And and how do you use your fast decision making?
0: Well, basically how I got to that place is I was driven by the inability to sleep. <laughs> I was (laughs) I I was an insomniac for fifteen years, and what I realized was part of the what was driving the insomnia. I just look. I started working backwards. I'm like, okay, this is what the end result is. I'm not sleeping, and just started asking questions. You know, to to work backwards to see if I could figure out what the solution is. And what I discovered was a lot of it was driven by anxiety. And then I start asking the question, well, what's making you anxious? And it always seemed to come back to questions that weren't getting answered. And if these questions aren't getting answered, then decisions aren't getting made. And if decisions aren't getting made, then things are getting procrastinated on, which is creating the stress and the anxiety. And then not being able to sleep is making the stress and anxiety worse, which is making my brain even less effective. (laughs) <laughs> being able to answer those yes. questions and making those decisions and once i started putting all of those pieces together and see how they were all connected with each other i then decided that i really needed to do something to become more effective at answering those questions and answering them fast so that i'm not festering i'm a festerer <laughs> i tend to mm-hmm. i tend to fester yes. and and i tend to like to digest when thoughts come in and things that bother me and go really deep in my thoughts and I'm in my head quite a bit and I learned that was really bogging me down and I started looking for ways that I can answer those questions faster and just be done with it and realizing what can I do to just move things forward a little bit maybe it's not the whole answer maybe it's just a little piece of the puzzle but it moves things forward And then I also recognize when I really need to go into deep thought to look at this from a much deeper level. But what I started to do was create all of these little strategies that I now use to teach my clients to become faster at decision-making. And I would say probably one of my favorite ones is what I call thinking threes. And what that is, is taking anything that I'm working with in my my environments, meaning my brain environment, my physical environment, my mental, my emotional environment. I could take anything and I could put it into threes, three categories of any, any given, any given categories and work with that information from there.
1: Wow. So what's an example? So just because since we are going to be talking about cleaning and clutter and all of that, we all know the stress that's caused by just piles of stuff being everywhere, things not being handled. How would how does that come up if you're working with somebody and they have an area that's just a mess? How would they think in threes?
0: So the first step of organizing usually is the sorting process. Not for everybody, but most of the time it's the sorting process. So as an example, when I go into the garage, I will have them instead of doing what would be considered a micro sort and going through, say, all of their holiday stuff and making a pile for Christmas and, and Easter and Halloween. I would have them start in the garage with three main categories. And that would be what's already in a bin or a box, what is too big to fit in a bin or a box. And what's small enough that's scattered about the ground that could be put in a bin or a box. And I just have them look at their stuff in those three categories to start with the intention of clearing enough space so we can at least have a walking path to start working. But in doing that, what I've helped my clients to do is realize that they could take their physical environment and if they're getting overwhelmed, then they could just divide it, sort it, put it into only three categories to start, and then they can work from there. And by doing that, they've made their first decision super easy and cleared the space. And we all know that when your space is clear, and I think that's what everybody's figuring out right now in their homes, that when their space is clear, their minds are more clear. And then we could go to a deeper level of decision-making that's going to be a little bit harder.
1: Aha, uh-huh. great! I This is fascinating. Um, we do actually already have to take a break. No, can you? (laughs) I know it's crazy, but we will come back and I really want to go into how you think about this. I'm a, yeah. my dad used to call me a perseverator because (laughs) I would get stuck in my head. (laughs) I love (laughs) that. Yeah. So, um, can you let people know where they can learn about you and your work? Because I know you do stuff online too. It's not only in person or I mean, you do things virtually.
0: Yeah. As a matter of fact, that is a service that I've been wanting to offer for a very long time, but now has given me the perfect opportunity to offer that service. So usually I go into people's homes and organize them, what I would call hands-on organizing. But right now I'm offering virtual coaching. So people can literally work with me over the phone and I help them to develop the plan and they use their hands. To, to You know, it's my brain and their hands and they do the physical work while I'm coaching them through the process. And the easiest thing to do is to go to my website, which is MissOrganized.com. So it's M-I-S-S, organized with the D on the end of it, com. There's lots of information on there as far as my services are concerned. But if you want to learn more about my virtual coaching, you could go to MissOrganized.com forward slash DIY with misorganized. I'm also on all sorts of social media channels. You can usually find me at just misorganized on pretty much every social media channel.
1: Awesome. Great. We'll be right back and talk some more about some powerful organization tactics you can use to relieve this.
0: Hello, everyone. This is Tonya Don Reckla, Executive Director of Superpower Experts, and we want to thank each of you.
1: Welcome back, everyone. I I guess what I would love is because it always helps me to have another example. You're mm-hmm. thinking in threes. I love that idea. Even just thinking about having a plan to organize stuff already makes it seem easier. Well, I oh, can I like do that. that. Yeah. So then just, and I won't go too deep into all of this, but w- what do you do then? If they've got it in threes, do you then ask them to think in threes again or do you have other decision-making tools that you employ?
0: There's a lot of different strategies involved throughout the organizing process, but it all does tend to come down to decision-making. So let's see if I can use another example. Um, When I'm helping clients create a plan, I help them to think about their time in threes. And that would look like, when they say I'm going to organize my garage this summer, I say, "Oh, okay." Or they say, "I'm going to organize. My, I'm going to organize my garage." Okay, well, when are you going to do that? Oh, I don't know. Probably on a weekend sometime. Okay, so is that a, is that going to be in the next uh, three days, three weeks, or three months? Do you want to do that in weeks, days, or months? Do you see what I'm saying? Do you want to do? Yeah. I, I basically took time and I. I crunched it down to days, weeks, or months. Do you want to organize your garage in days, weeks, and months? Uh, Well, summertime's coming around. That's probably a good time for me. So, okay, so you want to organize it in the summertime. Okay, so are you going to do that in uh, the first week, second week, or third week? Then they look at their calendars, and then they start working the things that they already have in place Uh, either they work the organizing into what they already have in place or they make their organizing priority and they work everything else around it. But then I even get more specific. I say, oh, okay, so we're gonna third week of August is when you're gonna organize your garage. Okay, so is that gonna be on Saturday or Sunday? That's only two categories, Saturday or Sunday. Uh, I'll probably do it on a Saturday. Okay, do you wanna do that in the morning time, afternoon or evening? And almost always they're gonna say morning time. And I say, okay, so start what? Eight o'clock, go eight to (laughs) twelve. 8 to 12. Does that work? Yeah. Okay, great. And all of a sudden we're putting in their calendar Saturday, August 25th from 8 to 12. I'm going to organize my garage. So I get my clients to be very specific as much as possible. Sometimes we can't be specific because if you try to be specific uh, some, sometimes you need to be general and sometimes you need, you need to be specific because if you try to get too specific sometimes, then that slows down your decision making processes. But I just want to take a, a step back altogether with decision making and tell you the main focus. And I've got other examples of thinking in threes um, that I can share with you, but I just want to take a step back to um, the big picture around decision making and how to become more effective. At it, really what I have found, the trick is to keeping your brain as calm as possible. That's really the trick. And what I have found is the main reason why people call me, why they finally call me, even if they've thought about it for months and years, which most of my clients do, before they're willing to pick up the phone and ask for help. But they usually are contacting me because they're overwhelmed. They're totally overwhelmed. And that's the bottom line. Hands down, nine times out of ten. They're calling me because they're overwhelmed. And what happens is when you get overwhelmed, you will activate the fight or flight mechanism in your body. And when you do that, you will literally shut down the decision-making executive function. Decision-making is an executive function in the frontal lobe of the brain. You will shut that down. And when you shut that down, you will slip into what's called the reptilian brain, the mammalian brain, the the, the primitive part, the caveman brain, right? Yep. Yep. And the caveman brain is just worried about, you know, getting away from the woolly mammoth or killing the damn thing. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying? It's not worried about what color bin would be best in my closet. It's not worried about that level of decision-making. So you become more emotionally based in your, when you're trying to go through the process, the emotions take over. And when emotions take over during the organizing process, it's pretty much game over. You might as well just call it a day.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> Do you well, see what I'm saying? Yes. And I love that. Uh, and It's so funny. I mean, this is a lot of what I do with my clients too, in terms of whatever it is they're trying to do, is get very specific on what is the plan because there's no decision left to make.
0: When Mm -hmm. you're
1: stuck in what am I going to do and when am I going to do it and how much am I going to do, you do nothing. And your brain is so good at talking you out. (laughs) It knows all the tricks and tactics that you are going to be persuaded by. Sure does. Yeah. Like, oh, I really need to work instead or So I have a, so where I want to go with this is one of the things that I I notice you work around is coaching people on letting go Mm -hmm. techniques to let go. And I am not a pack rat, but I am not somebody who gives things away early, easy, easily. Okay. And I get stuck on that. So how do you walk people through how to decide what to let go of and
0: all of that? That's a great question. And I would say I always start with the basic understanding of energy. Now we're going to start talking about feng shui. So I help people to understand the energetic connection between their stuff and the way they're thinking and feeling and how their life is playing out because it's all connected. And let me just do a quick little educational tutorial on feng shui, if that's okay with you. Oh, please. And
1: will you spell it? Because some people might not have ever even heard of that word. And sure. Sure.
0: Uh, feng Shui, it's two words. It's spelled F-E-N-G. It, it looks like Feng, but it's actually Feng. So it sounds like F-U-N-G, but it's F-E-N-G. So that's Feng. And the last word is uh, Shui. And it looks like Shui, but it's pronounced Shui. And it's S as in Sam, H-U-I, Feng Shui. Perfect. Thanks. Yep. And what it is, is working with energy. It can get really complicated and frou la la. There's like six different schools of it, I think. There might be more. Um, but if you think about it in these terms, it, it's really easy to understand. And all it is is energy. Everything is energy. We all know that, that everything is energy. That's not fru la That is a fact. And energy is vibrational. And the way that it works in your home, and this is what I have discovered in my practice of, of using feng shui, is the higher the energy is in the home, the higher things uh, vibrate in the home, the better things feel and the better they function. And every in feng shui, the way it works is that every part of your home is associated with an area of your life. And the particular feng shui I follow, it's called BTB, like black, uh, tan, black, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, The uh, BTB feng shui, shui, it's a westernized version of feng shui. And this one uses what's called the Bagua map. And you can look that up. Bagua is spelled, it looks like Bagua, but it's spelled B-A-G-U-A. It's Bagua, Bagua map. And what it looks like, it's a rectangle uh, chunked into nine squares. And each square represents an area of your home. And it's a map. And you line it up from your front door to figure out where these areas on the map line up with the areas in your home. But I could tell you without even looking at the map that using this approach, if you stand at your front door and you look in the left-hand corner of your home, the furthest left-hand corner of your home from your front door, that's the money corner of your house. If you look at the, from your front door again, the upper right-hand corner of your home, that is the love corner of your home, the relationship corner. The middle of the house is the health part of the home, the health corner. And there's nine dis, uh, nine sections, areas, corners, whatever you want to call them in feng shui, they call them corners um, in your house that all connect with an area of your life. So let's just use it as an example. I love this one. When I have a woman, single woman, who has her closet, her bedroom closet, in the relationship corner of her home. And when I explain the foundations of energy that her stuff has energy in it. Her feelings have energy. Her thoughts have energy. And when she's directing negative energy in that part of her house, and it just happens to fall in her love corner. And all of a sudden she starts connecting the dots and realizing that, Oh my God, I keep dating, uh, you know, meatheads. I had that happen once. It was hilarious. There was this girl who had, uh, she <laughs> She was a yoga instructor and she had (laughs) dirty laundry and gym weights Mm -hmm. in her, in her relationship corner. And when I put the two together, she was like, oh my God, no wonder I'm dating big gym meatheads. (laughs) (laughs) That's hilarious. Hilarious. But then once they make that energetic connection between what's showing up in their life and how the stuff that they're seeing in that space of their house is like almost like a symbolic representation of what's going on in their life. Oh, I just got goosebumps. That always, that always means that I'm like right on point with what I'm saying. And mm-hmm. somebody needs to hear that too, by the way. Um, then then they make that connection. Oh my God, I look at these clothes and every time I look at these clothes, I feel fat. And that puts an energetic, it's called energetic imprinting. That feeling, a feeling that way will energetically imprint in that space and it will cause, it will show up in their relationship somehow, some way. So when they make that connection, it becomes much easier for them to let things go because they see the big picture now and how it's affecting their, their life as a whole. That is fascinating. Yeah. It fascinates me every time. But I do have specific organi- specific purging strategies as well. Would you like me to share those with you? I, I certainly would.
1: <laughs> <laughs> my, I will, my daughter is home from college, not, mm-hmm. not her first. She's supposed to be in Kenya right now. So she's not that happy. For class, oh. like she um, she gave me uh, tools or coupons to organize all over the house, <laughs> and it's so funny that this is going on right now because literally <laughs> she did that after we scheduled the interview, and I am <laughs> discovering that she, I'm like, oh, I don't know, you know, <laughs> you guys gave that to me or you made that. Maybe you're going to want it someday. So I would love some of these tools.
0: <laughs> hmm. Hmm. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, well, let's also take a step back and give you some more foundational information to help you make those, uh, decisions along with, with thinking of it from an energetic perspective. And then I'll give you specific strategies. But if we look at going back to what I was originally saying about decision-making decision making, you, let me, let me use this, um, an analogy that doesn't, um, example, let me use this example to, to, to set the scene of what I'm trying to say. If you are trying to buy a new car, if you want to buy a new car and you say to yourself, well, I, I don't know if I want to buy the red car or the blue car. You're not going to sit down and write a check for the car until you've made that, until you've answered that question. And the question is, do I want the red car or do I want the blue car? D- Does that make sense so far? Yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, okay. Yeah. However, however, in those questions are usually generated by something probably emotionally based. It, it, I find that questions are usually tied to three different subjects and those subs, see how I just broke that down in threes again. Yeah, was, <laughs> <that was 50. laughs> um, they, they come down to three different subjects. It's usually, your questions usually involve either time, money, or a person. And if it's involving a person, there's usually some sort of an emotional component to it. And what you just told me about your kids, uh, what I picked up, and correct me if I'm wrong, but what you just told me about the statements you just made, it had a guilt undertone to it. Am I, am I wrong? You know what
1: it is? It's not guilt. It's, um, it's actually more having a hard time letting them go,
0: afraid of letting them go. Okay. So fear, so fear, letting there's go. Fear, so let's, there's fear. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Fear. So, so let's take that and that's totally understandable. And, and more than likely that fear is coming from a place of an emotional programming you received as a child. I have found that a lot of the fears and the way that we think about our stuff is all connected to how we were brought up as children and what was modeled for us by our parents and the things that they said about stuff and how they treated stuff. Something as simple as uh, the depression error thinking generation that created that mantra of, say for a rainy day, you never know what's going to happen, something like that. And that just gets translated to, you know that just gets uh, filtered down to the child and they grew up thinking that. And then they filter that down to their child, and they grow up thinking about that instead of taking it and seeing if it's relevant to the specific situation and time that you're in. So that's just taking it super, super deep. To, to you know, back backtrack here. It's the emotion that's driving that fear. And that fear is driving those questions. And if you're not answering those questions, you're not making the decision. And if you're not making the decision, then you're procrastinating on it. You see how it's all connected? Oh,
1: it's so perfect. Yeah.
0: So going back to the fear that you have, I would turn that around and just turn those into questions. So let's see if we could do that. So tell me about one specific thing. So for example, there is this, lamp
1: that is uh, made out of clay in the shape of an octopus Mm -hmm. (laughs) that my daughter made, say, when she was 11 or 12. And it's super cool. But do I really want it in my home? No. Okay. And she no longer wants it in her bedroom. But maybe she's going to want that someday
0: because it's really cool. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, absolutely. So that has a lot of memories attached to it. So what, so how I would turn that into a question is, what is your daughter's name? Aaron. Aaron. Erin. Yeah. So the question is, does Aaron want this? That's what I thought I just heard you say. Right? Right. Right. So going back to what I was saying, that usually the questions involve a person, time or money. So in this particular case, your question is tied to a person, which is Aaron. So what I would do is I would just start by asking Erin, just having a question. And I will say this too, that it's you don't always have to have the answer for the question. Just be willing to identify the question. And if you can at least identify that question, then, then it will sit in your mind a little bit more top of, top of mind than hidden in the recesses where all you're hearing yourself say is, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. Whenever you look at your stuff and you hear yourself say, I don't know, that's an opportunity for you to stop for even 30 seconds if you can do it. Just stop and look at it. And ju- all you have to say to yourself is, what is the question? That's all you have to do. And you don't even have to answer it. Just be willing to stop, look at it, ask the question, what is the question? And even if you have to, get a sticky note, <laughs> right? write either what is the question or write what your question is and stick it on the thing. And that will start the process of moving you out of, I don't know, to, well, my question is, does Aaron want this or not? That's a more proactive, you know, now you're in a more proactive place than it's just sitting there. You see right. what I'm saying?
1: Yes. Okay. So the thing that's funny, I'm sorry, I don't usually go into my own stuff on these calls, but this is interesting. <laughs> <laughs> and I, hopefully it's helpful to other people. I suspect it is. Yeah. You're very clear. Um, the question that I ask is will I regret letting this go? That is the mm-hmm. question that comes up. Mm-hmm.
0: I love that. Will you do me a favor and please write that down? Okay, yes. Just, just write that down. Yeah. And again, you don't even have to have the answer to that. But there's something very magical about identifying the question mm-hmm. and just bringing it top of mind. And if you bring in the spiritual element into this, now we're going to go real deep, okay? Good. But right. if you bring, if you bring in the spiritual element of this, then you basically just ask your angels. That's what I've learned to do as hard as that is. Cause I'm somebody that like, I want the answer and I want it now and I'm going to chew on this and I'm going to process this and I'm going to figure this out. I have learned to let the question to at least get clear about the question. There's so much power in that. And there's so much energy that will get released in just doing that. And then allowing it to ask my angels, angels, will you please provide me the answer? Angels, will you please provide me more clarity? Angels, will you please help me to figure out what the next action step is, and let 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 the universe do its work. Sometimes it's not going to ha- it's not going to be that easy. Of course, it's not. But I'm telling you, there's so much power in just identifying the question.
1: That is amazing. It is thank amazing.
0: You. Yeah, that's
1: really really cool. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you. So, how do you? Um, you know, do you find people that once they're you start doing this, like when you're working with somebody and you're right in the midst of their their closet and they're trying to get their closet done and there's a bunch of clothes that they're not letting go because, you know, maybe they were skinny then or maybe they're afraid they're going to gain weight again, whatever. Mm-hmm. How do you guide them through that? How does that get broken into three or <laughs>
0: So I'm so glad you asked. Those are my favorite ones. (laughs) Those are my favorite ones. I will tell you that I find the most amount, a good portion of negative energy is trapped in people's clothes closets because there's so much negative self-talk that's going on in those closets and people aren't even aware of it because again, just like the, I don't know, that's where their brain stops. That's where the conversation stops. And in the closet, what that looks like is, well, I like it, but every time I put it on, it, it makes, it's itchy on my skin, but I spent a lot of money on it, so I can't let it go. Boom, goes right back in the closet. Yep. Instead, if they continued on with that conversation and was really being honest with themselves, they would realize, yeah, it makes me feel itchy every time I wear it. And when I... Uh, And and therefore, I'm not ever going to wear it. I'm always going to choose something else. And meanwhile, it's just sitting in my closet and reminding me that I'm not wearing it, which is just cluttering up my closet, which is making it difficult for me to put my clothes away because there's no room in my closet because it's full of all sorts of clothes that are itchy, don't make me feel good. Do You see what I'm saying? That was a much longer, deeper, uglier conversation than (laughs) I like it, but I spent a lot of money on it. So I, I don't like it, but I spent a lot of money on it. So I can't let it go.
1: You does it find, do you find like there is, um, what I like though, what you said is this, I am, am I always going to choose something else to wear?
0: You will, you will. And let me tell you, that's, that brings to me to one of my strategies when it comes to clothes. Okay. So remember what I said that the initial start of most organizing projects is the sorting process. And sorting is basically getting things into smaller categories, which will make it much easier for you to move on into the next step of organizing. Organizing is several steps. It's not just one thing you do. You do do several steps. You have to sort things. You have to look through it and decide what you're going to keep and not going to keep. Once you decide what you're going to keep and not going to keep, you have to figure out, well, well, then where am I going to put it? And then when you figure out where you're going to put it, then you have to figure out, okay, well, what do I put it into? Do I put it into... Do I put it on the rod? Do I put it into a plastic bin I'm putting on the top of my shelf? And then you have to figure out after you're done with all that, how am I going to keep it like that? Uh You know, There's all sorts of steps involved in the organizing process, but sorting is usually the first one. So it depends upon the level of disorganization that's in somebody's closet that determines the level of sorting that I need to do. But let's just pretend like the person already has A closet that is already organized. In that case, I would approach it with saying, okay, what we're going to do is we're going to just take the dresses out and we're going to lay them on the bed. And we're going to uh, divide those dresses into three categories. Those three categories are going to be yes, I'm going to keep it. No, I'm not going to keep it. Maybe I'm going to keep it. And I'll go back to that in just a second. If it's going to be a yes, if they're going to keep the yeses, they have to be answered. And this is tying back to what you said before, that you'll always choose something else. If it's going to be a yes, you have to be able to answer yes to these three questions. Does it fit good? Does it feel good? And does it look good? You see how I did those in threes again? Isn't that brilliant? Yes. yes. <laughs> okay, so, so we're, now we're at the stage where does it fit good? Does it feel good? And does it look good? Because going back to what we were just saying, if it doesn't fit good, you are always going to choose something else. If it doesn't feel good, you're always going to choose something else. If it doesn't look good, you're always going to choose something else. And what's going to happen is those clothes that you're not wearing because they don't fit good, feel good, or look good, are going to be hanging around your closet, creating negative energy, and chances are the negative energy is going to be attached to what you're thinking and feeling about them. And I can tell you if you would like to know what the top think, uh, things that people think and feel about their clothes are. Would you like to know them? I would love them. You can keep talking forever, and I w- I'm fascinated. <laughs> <laughs> well, wonderful. Thanks, uh, thanks for uh, being so interested. But the, the top ones in the closet are uh, why people hold on to the stuff in the closet is I've uh, spent a lot of money on it, so I can't let it go. Um, some, so-and-so gave it to me, so I'd feel bad if I let it go. You have some sort of memory attached to it, so you think you need to hold on to it because if you let the thing go, then you let the memory grow, go, which is is not the truth. Um, you think you're gonna fit back into it someday uh or what's the other one? There's a fifth one that I'm forgetting. um I'm sure it will come up as as we're talking, but those well, are the I big can ones. tell you one I was a
1: lawyer. I have a whole bunch of suits that mm. I haven't worn since I stopped working, but anyway. Mm
0: -hmm. Okay. So that's a big one. I would put that into the category of You, I don't even know how to define it with short words, but basically what you're saying is, is it's, it's kind of in the same categories you think you're going to fit back into it someday. It's kind of Mm -hmm. like that, but it's like, you're not quite sure if you're going to go back to that lifestyle again. Right. Yeah. My life, maybe my life will fit into it again. Right. Oh, I'm writing that one down. Mm -hmm. Fit back in. I love that. Okay. So let me tell you what the conversation really is after the conversation you just had with yourself about that, that. Basically, well, I, that's not what I meant to say. The energy, let me focus in on the energy that is created through the statements that you just said. Basically, it's almost like a holding pattern. It's almost like a you can't let go of the past mm-hmm. kind of energy that you're putting out there. Uh, it's, it's, uh, does that make sense? Yes. Well, it's the same thing with my daughters and their stuff. So yeah. Right, right. So then that's when you have to start asking some more questions to get more, more clear about, about it. And, and, okay, so, so I can go off on that tangent, but I want to go back to, um, the, uh, what the yes, no, or maybe. Okay. And, and this, this will help you with that part of your life and answering that question by using this approach. Okay. If you pull out these clothes and it's, yes, it's got to fit, good, feel good, look good. no. Maybe, I always give my clients a maybe pile because when we're going through this process, what my goal is while I'm working with them is to do it fast. I always tell my clients that what my approach, not all organizers work like this and we all have our own styles and and that's fine. But the particular style I follow is it's the rip the bandaid off fast approach. (laughs) Just rip it off and while, and I have them make very fast decisions, not everybody can do that. And I have certain strategies in place to get people to the place where they can make faster decisions. But, um, my goal is to help people make that decision. Yes, no, or maybe in 10 seconds or less. Mm. And if they can't make that decision, yes or no, it, go, it automatically goes into the maybe pile. Uh, another example of that would be try on. Well, I have to try it on first. Before I can make that decision, yes or no. Okay, good. Put it in the maybe pile. Uh And that way it doesn't bog down your decision-making process too long. Because I'm telling you, if you take any longer than that, then that's when you start slipping into the um, the, uh, reptilian brain. That's when the emotions are going to start. Taken over, and then as soon as that happens, you're going to start running away. Almost, I I love it when my clients they try to run away. It's hilarious. While we're working in the spot together, and I could see it. I'm like, I know it's going to happen. I could see it in their in their (laughs) brain processes. I could feel it in their energy that they're going to get to a place because I can see where they're going. That they're going to um, have to stop and run away. And and I let them do it. I don't let them do it for too long. But I do let them do it because it's just become too complicated in their brain. And then that's when they're trying to shut down and run away and and do the whole, well, can we do it tomorrow kind of thing? No, 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 not on my watch. That's not, that's not going to happen. But that's why I give the maybe pile. So that, that gives them that freedom to not have to answer a really super tough question in that moment where they, where they just can't. Yes. Wow.
1: That is so, I, I, (laughs) <laughs> it's bringing so much because I, I I do so much with people and trying to help them get to do things and not do things in other areas of their life. Mm-hmm. And so my brain is just going off on how <laughs> how this all works together. Thank you. You're very welcome. Okay, so we do actually need to stop. I can tell <laughs> that you have so much more I do. More. I have so much. <laughs> so, so much. I love it. It's, um, it really is fascinating. Can you please remind people um, yes. where, well, actually, I'm, my first question, I do have one more question. If So people are listening, and they're like, yeah, my house is a mess. Where would you recommend they start? Like, they're already in this fight or flight state around their house, just multiple areas. Mm-hmm. What's the first step that they should take to start to calm themselves down or figure out which way to go
0: other than call you <laughs> that's I'll say that's, that. a, that's a great question you know there's i already like there there's three i came up with three different options here i'll just throw all of them at, at you and, and you know whatever that's that's the way i like to handle um, uh, the way I, I have all these different strategies and approaches. There's no right way or wrong way, but, but any one of these approaches, if you start with one of them, it will always lead you. It will just get you started. And then it will get you started to the point where you're like, Oh yeah, I can use that other strategy for, for this, for this stage. But so there's three different approaches to this. Uh, my first thought was, I always tell people the easiest place to start physically is, is in their closets. Uh, if they're lucky enough to have their own closet that even better, but the, the, the best place to start, uh, for doing what I said with the, just pulling, uh, start with a category of clothes. We'll say like, you know, your dresses or your pants and just do the sort sorting is always the first step. If you're ever confused where to begin, just always think of sorting is, is usually the first, the first place. So take out that category of clothes and sort it into yes, nor, maybe. So that's one place to start. And I will tell you, the reason why the closet is usually the the easiest place to start is because it's the one place in the house for most people besides their personal bathroom stuff that they can make a decision on it and not have it affect anybody else in the house. You see what I'm saying? Yes. So the the decisions are much easier because you don't have to think about, oh, well, what's my husband going to think if I got rid of it? Or is this going to upset little Johnny boy? You know, so that's usually the easiest place to start. Another approach is... Always start with what is easiest first, the less overwhelming first. And the way that I help people to understand this is if you think about it very much like a workout, I used to be a personal trainer. I'm I'm getting recertified to become a personal trainer. There's so many similarities. That could be a whole other show in itself. So many similarities between uh, what I did as a personal trainer and what I do as a personal organizing coach really, you know, in people's homes and and virtually over the phone Um, uh, or, you know, Zoom or whatever we're doing these days. But if you think about it very much like a workout is that you have to have a warm-up, right? You have to have the hit-it-hard part, workout-hard part, and then you have to have the cool-down part. So with an organizing project, you always start with the warm-up part. What is the easiest part? Well, the easiest part might be going into, into your kitchen drawer and just getting rid of the pins that no longer work. You see what I'm saying? It's like, you're just keeping it. You're just getting, the point is, is that what you need to do, the hardest part is getting started. You So if you just pick a starting point and just do a little something, what it will do is it will build a momentum, very much like a workout. Yeah. And once you get the momentum going, it's much easier to keep going. And then you just keep going until you're like, you know what? I organizing, I can't focus on this anymore. I, life, got, life takes over. You know, and then, but you know, so so maybe like you got you give it like a good hour or something. I don't know. And then the third approach. Oh gosh, what was it? It was so good, I forgot. I might have to just leave it at two. But it's good. I have OCD, so that's why I put everything in threes. So uh-huh. I'm going to. Oh, what was the third one? I don't. I don't remember. Would do start with what's easy. Start with your closet. Um, oh, the third one was go around your house. Just get a notepad, and this is what I do when I first start working with clients. Is I do what I call the walk and talk. Mm-hmm. And I just get a notepad or my, you know, iPhone or whatever. And we just walk around in every single room. And I ask the question, just these two simple questions, what's working and what's not working. Mm. Or you could just say, what do I like and what do I don't like? Or you could say, you know, this is the same version of the, the same question, but just different versions. What, um, what is driving me crazy and what, what am I okay with living with this way for the next three months? Yeah. Wow.
1: This is fascinating. Okay. Can you remind people where they can
0: um, find you? Absolutely. If they want to get in touch with me, the easiest place to get in touch with me is my website, which is misorganized.com, M-I-S-S, organized with a D at the end of it, .com. If they're interested in learning more about my virtual coaching, they can go to misorganized.com forward slash DIY, which stands for do it yourself with misorganized diy with misorganized and they can also find me on pretty much every social media platform out there by just looking up misorganized
1: great thank you tracy it's been super fun to talk to you you and listeners i hope you are inspired and until next time remember that you do hold the power to change and transform
0: your world thank you are you ready to discover your superpowers Go now to SuperpowerExperts.com and take the Superpower Quiz today!